Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and this week we're going to focus in on culture because I know that is a topic that is so interesting to many of our listeners and it's particularly interesting at the moment as organisations are deciding their new working practices, locations and many people are interested in what that's going to mean for culture. So as a result I thought who better to talk to than Mario Musa who is co-author of The Culture Puzzle and he's joined us today and we're going to think about how we can develop culture and what the impacts of hybrid um, or post-Covid working is for our organisational cultures. Welcome Mario. Thank you Lucinda, it's great to be with you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself um, first of all Mario? Sure. I wear a number of different hats. I'm a management consultant. I have my own firm, Musa Consulting, and I have for quite some time. I've been a consultant for about 30 years, working with leaders on culture, strategy, effectiveness. And then I'm also an executive educator. I'm an I'm affiliated faculty at the University of Pennsylvania and NYU and a number of other schools. And then I'm an author. And the Culture Puzzle is my third book. Okay, so what were your previous books about? Were they also about culture? They were about topics related to culture. The first one was about communication. It's called The Art of Woo, Using Strategic Persuasion to Sell Your Ideas. And then the second book was about teamwork, committed teams. I like to say that over 30 years, I've tried to cover the waterfront with respect to people issues and organizations, communication, collaboration, and now culture. Love it. Okay, all the C's, absolutely. The woo, as in winning others over, the strength of woo. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Okay, yeah, interesting. exactly. Making a connection. Yeah, great. Okay, so we'll stick with culture because there's enough there. We could, there's plenty on absolutely. culture for us to fit in one podcast. Um, in terms of, well, we were starting, what, what is your sense in terms of working remotely? People working, you know, what, what impact has it had on culture, do you think, having gone through a pandemic? What are you I seeing? Think, Yeah, I think one of the most important points to remember about culture, and we talk about this in in the culture puzzle, is culture is always evolving. It's always moving. I think sometimes we think it's static. We define it. We put the words on a flip chart. We display them around the office, and that's our culture. But culture is always changing, and I think we became acutely aware of that when the pandemic hit. For example, one day, a lot of us, most of us were working in the office. Next day we were working from home and then we learned how to adapt in working from home. So in that respect, culture is always moving. Culture is about learning and adaptation 
and it never stands still. So the point that's relevant today is where, as a lot of us are heading back to the office from home, is culture is going to change again. So I think the most important thing to pay attention to is how is it changing? How would we like it to change? How do we engage others in working together on this change? And that how would we like it to change, I think is probably the thing that is most interesting. Not about how, how would we like it to change and how do we make that happen, I think is it's gold dust if we could come and get some insights into that because we usually just experience it and you kind of go okay we need to change the culture we talk about culture change all the time but it is really quite hard to do and yeah 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 uh well it's a great uh that's a great question so for us you know as as i said culture is always changing it's a it's a process and we like to say that it's driven by four forces and this is relevant to your question vision, interests, habits, and innovation. So vision is what you'd like your your culture to be. And I'll come back to that because as you point out, that's a really critical issue. And then interest is what people need to do their jobs well. And, And we have a lot of needs, but three basic needs are to be connected to others, to have meaningful work, and to be recognized for our work. And then habit is about the way we do things. Uh, Interesting aspect about culture is it comes from the past, but then it carries us into the future. And we're always reinforcing culture. The way we do things around here is a a common phrase. Mm -hmm. So it's good to pay attention to habits. And then innovation is about doing things differently and better. So vision, interest, habits, and, and innovation. And for us, the whole process, and you put your finger on this, begins with vision. In other words, what do we want the culture to be? And, and a really important point there, and I think this is a, a common mistake, and we all tend to make it when we get busy and distracted. We think, well, if I know what I, sh- I want the culture to be, collaborative, creative, whatever the case to be, the case may be, okay, I've defined the culture. But if, if a vision is just your vision alone, it's not really an effective vision. So to make a vision move, you have to involve other people in it. So I would say start with, particularly during this time as as people are heading back to the office and there's a lot of uncertainty, start having conversations about how you ideally want to work with others, how you would like to define the culture, what are the values that are most important for your organization right now, and then listen to others. Uh, and I can't emphasize that, <clears throat> that last point enough. Listening is key. I think when it comes to culture, defining our values, defining our purpose, there's too much telling and not enough listening. That's a really interesting point because I've, I've just been doing a podcast on a webinar on, on sort of hybrid working and how we can work with other people. And actually, there's, there's and worse than not, not telling, there's a lot of just kind of assuming as well yeah where you just kind of go well we've been doing it then let's just carry on so the whole yeah. benefit of asking and listening I can see you start to co-create but you also um get people to become I suppose is it like consciously competent or consciously aware yeah. of what the culture is and think oh yeah I want to re- I want people to be responsive to me but actually I'm aware that I have my out of office on all the time or do not disturb so I'm not responsive to them so it's almost getting people to think about what their personal impact is on the culture yeah and then what they yeah. want it to be yeah, and I want to pick up on a phrase that you use, carrying on. Human beings are really good at carrying on. We're creatures of habit. Yeah. So 
you know, we get used to doing uh, something a certain way. And then, you know, we might step back and ask, okay, why do we do things this way? Because that's the way we do things. And that's an important cultural force. So if yeah. you, you know, you hit the pause button and say, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about how we want to be and let's talk together about how we want to be. And maybe we will discover that we want to create new habits and reinforce those habits. So let's say we don't work with our office doors closed, or mm -hmm. let's say we hold meetings differently, uh, or let's say we make decisions differently, you know, all key activities to running an, an organization. So I think it's important it's important to harness the force of habit or momentum, but you don't want to be carried away with it unconsciously as you're carrying on. Yes. Um, so it's, it's, it's taking that habit, the habits that we've all created at the end of the day, over the last 15 months or so, we've got into certain ways of working. And the, some of those habits might be positive or otherwise culturally. So taking that point to now to talk about where we are and whether it's where we want to be or what's the natural it's almost playing it forward into if we carry on like this, what will we end up doing? And is, how does that meet with the vision that we'd like it to be? Absolutely. And I think it's a tension that I think a lot of us are aware of if you're talking to your colleagues or reading the business press is it may be that there is a kind of disconnect between leaders and workers. That is a lot of leaders, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been reading about this, want people to come back. They want to go back to the mm -hmm. old way. Mm -hmm. But as you, as you point out, for 15 months, we've been working differently. And so, and so we've come to think differently about work. Our aspirations are different. Okay, maybe I could have a different balance. You know, maybe I could work really hard for three hours and do my laundry or play with my kids. So yeah, our and mindset just not commute and not spend all that time um, yeah. in, in commuting. I, that, I mean, that is in itself fascinating, isn't it? So it's the people who haven't changed their, their, their mindsets. For me, that is quite a it's about it's about trust, um, whether, yeah. whether or not people trust them. And is that about you know, in your vision piece, it talks about shared assumptions. So it's, it's like there's one set of vision or assumptions about people's motivation for these managers it's not all managers who want things to go back the way they were and i and i know that there are some businesses where actually they actually do need to physically be in an office ideally sure. but not everybody so what does that mean is is the issue with the managers or what does that say about the management culture or what how would you sort of pinpoint that problem and, and address that issue yeah I would, I would point to one phenomenon in particular, and I, and I see it in every organization I've worked with over 30 years. Leaders tend to get trapped in their own bubble and, and they don't test their assumptions. So if you look at, for example, patterns of communication, what you'll see is most of the communication on a top team is happening within that top team. Uh, and yeah. not a lot of communication bubbles up to that, that top team. And so the risk is that leaders, and this is true generally for, for people in any team, but the, the risk is that we get trapped in our own assumptions and we're not paying attention to what other people are, are thinking and, and feeling. So being in the office might work for you for whatever reason. Maybe you live around the corner from mm -hmm. your office mm -hmm. and, uh, and you've got an easy commute. But if someone has to commute an hour each way or more, they're going to feel really differently about coming back to the office. And that could have an effect on their performance. So I think it's really important to, again, 
pause and ask, okay, what are our assumptions? But the best way to get outside of yourself and your assumptions is again, to have a conversation and listen and ask, okay, as you're having a conversation and let's make this really concrete. This might involve having a Zoom where mm -hmm. everybody has an opportunity to speak or you bring people together into a conference room, maybe you social distance if that's what people need to feel comfortable. And then you just go around the room and have everyone talk about how they're feeling about coming back to the office and what they feel they need, the kind of support they need to do their jobs well. Uh, listen and then respond. And it sounds so simple, but we don't do it. And this goes back to something that you said earlier, because we're always carrying on. We're just doing our jobs mm -hmm. and it's really easy to fall back into old habits. So, um, you know, being deliberate or as you put it, consciously competent is really important when it comes to this cultural process. I've been using the term a lot in, of intentional um, mm -hmm. uh, because I perceive that to make um, hybrid working effective but yeah you know, so actually you were able to take for granted networking and collaboration and relationships if you're in an office environment they would just happen naturally and one, one of the things it's interesting that in your model you've got vision interest innovation and habit in your model that they kind of relate the interest which is relationships and the innovation bit those are the two bits that you hear people yeah. um being worried about missing um in that and i think maybe because they happened by accident they weren't intentional and maybe yeah. if we want those things to happen in a hybrid environment, we're going to have to be more intentional about creating time for relationships um, when you're not just going to bump into people by the coffee machine and creating time to collaborate or problem solve. Yeah, yeah. I like, the term, yeah I like the term in, intentional and um, I want to tie it to uh, the points that you were just talking about. So, you know, I think a lot of us believe that innovation is driven by the chance encounters and water, cool, water cooler conversations and so on. I think that there's evidence that's emerging and I've been, I've been writing about this recently that actually innovation might occur uh, more easily when we're work working remotely. That is, uh, if we're commuting, we're tired, we're yeah. grumpy. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it's not clear, and you know, at Google and other companies have been looking at this pretty closely. It's not clear that we need to be face-to-face -to, -face to, to think creatively together. At the same time, to your point about intentionality, I think we should be intentional about how we come together. You know, so yeah. uh, you know, what, when do we want people to be talking to, be, to each other about a new product or a new process? And how do we create an environment, whether it's face-to-face -face or totally virtual or hybrid, where people feel safe and can trust each other enough to speak openly about their ideas? I think those are key questions. So uh, trust, openness, support. I think those are the things I'd rather have leaders be thinking about than should we be face-to-face -face or, uh, or hybrid or remote? Yeah, and I suppose... I was going to think, is this, how, how does this come all back to culture? Is it, it, it is culture then. So really what we're saying is if you want to have a hybrid, and we're talking in the context of hybrid, um, if you want to have something that's going to be effective, it is about how people choose to interact. It's what they're thinking as opposed to what the leaders are thinking, going back to your, your kind of concept of them being in a bubble. Um, yeah, yeah. Being, it's what people do, how we do things around here. It's still, um, 
if you took it away from hybrid and if people say, oh, we want to check, but uh, I suppose it, I guess, so there's two things here. One, I'm thinking if you haven't got a more traditional command and control culture, that is going to be harder to maintain or actually possibly is not the recipe for success in a hybrid environment. It's got to be much more collaborative. But in terms of yeah, other areas. And it would, on, just a quick comment about that. I think I wouldn't be sorry if, uh, if most command and control cultures went away. <laughs> Uh, yes, sometimes you have to work in a command and control kind of way, like let's say in certain kinds of manufacturing environments, uh, uh, certain high risk in environments. But even in those environments, I think, for example, if you talk to special forces military or you talk to people in manufacturing environments, what you'll hear from those who are reflective about their leadership is yes, sometimes we have to tell people what to do. You know, we operate in a command and control kind of way, but not all the time. And I think that goes back to the, the intentionality point. So um, you can't do that do if we, they're remote. <laughs> Can yeah, you? yeah, yeah. And then how are we getting our work done? You know, so you, you know, you, you, uh, your, comp, your question was, yeah, isn't this all about culture? Absolutely it is. It's all about culture because culture is about, how we get our, our work done. We all, and we all have an interest in doing our work well. So is it that simple then in terms of culture, it's really about engaging individuals and understanding what they want and sort of co-creating what we need to do? It, <laughs> yes. So I would say that in terms of our framework that we describe in the culture puzzle, it's simple. Uh, but it's not easy to implement yeah. <laughs> because work is uh, work is hard. So um, just let me step back for just very briefly and talk about the framework that we've been discussing. Yeah. You know, the four forces: vision, interests, habits, and innovation. For us, it's a kind of checklist, mm -hmm. and it's a reminder of the things that you should be thinking about when you're building a culture and strengthening your your culture. So it's a checklist, but it doesn't do the work for you. You know, so, so surgeons have a checklist. They go into an operating room and they check the patient's name and check to make sure they're operating on the correct side of the body, so on and so forth. Or pilots have checklists, engineers have checklists. That doesn't mean that their jobs are easy. Uh, similarly with, culture, with those uh, whose concern is culture. This is a checklist, these four forces. Doesn't make your job easy, but from our perspective, it does help you focus on the right factors. It's the, and you know, and as we say in the culture puzzle, it's those four forces that that drive culture. So it's a it's a reminder to be paying attention to the right thing. So the checklist is simple, the job not so simple. I quite, I, I guess I like your model because I, I mean, when I've looked at some of the cultural models before. Um, I'm thinking about Edgar Schein's work and, and others that the only model and, and other cultural paradigms, if you like. Yeah. This is this is quite it feels quite common sense in, in terms or quite easy to get your head around and quite practical. Because um, often when you think about it, I suppose symbols or when they they say symbols, they're symbols of the culture, you think, oh, how do I affect those sort of things? Whereas I feel like vision interest. Um, innovation and habits they're all things that as a manager or an HR professional you can talk to people about you can get hands on and potentially you can influence them is there a particular order in which you would see that people should should consider these yes uh, and we would say start with vision so what, what do we hope the 
what do we want our culture to be? What are our values? What are our aspirations? And then listen, okay, how does this affect what people really need? And, you know, we've touched on some really fundamental needs, like a need for connection, a need for purpose, a need for recognition. And then when we've had that conversation and come together around a shared vision, or as we like to put it, following the the sociologist, Benedict Anderson, when you've created an imagined community. For us, a culture is an imagined community. We're imagining together how we wanna work. So once we've done that, then then it's important to ask, okay, how do we create the right habits that support that vision? And one of the best ways, and this is really concrete and pretty simple, I would say is focus on meetings. So every time you meet, every time you come together virtually or face-to-face, you have an opportunity to reinforce your culture. In other words, you can address questions such as who speaks, who doesn't speak, how do we speak, how long do you speak, how do we make decisions, so on, uh, so on and so forth. So what are the right habits or rituals that we want to create to reinforce those, those values? And then let's practice, let's experiment. And that's where innovation comes in. <clears throat> so let's say we are experimenting with in every meeting designating some someone as the productivity expert and they're kind of an observer and then at the end of the meeting they give a report out here's how we did against three or four uh, criteria and then um, maybe after action reviews you institute after action reviews so could be any number of practices you put in place to enforce your desired values and then you see what works you experiment you innovate so um, you could think of that as, as four steps, envision, listen, engage, experiment. And then you do it all over again because culture is, isn't static. It's always, it's always moving. Just a word about those who have come before us, like Ed Shine, who's a, a, a great thinker and we learned so much from him. I think what's different about our model is it emphasizes the movement of culture, culture's dynamic. You know, symbols are static. And one of the challenges I found when I was um, looking at the early work on culture is um, I I kept asking myself, okay, so there are symbols, but how do they come into play? (laughs) How do they they affect us? And it all started to click for us when we realized that every encounter, in every encounter, you're reinforcing and subtly changing possibly the culture. And that way culture is very dynamic. So one of the things that, um, that's, I was just reflecting on the, cause I remember there's a number of the cultural pieces and I've looked at culture change myself cause I wrote a book on change management and was looking mm. at, at those culture change things. And um, I was thinking, well, how do things like processes fit in? But of course, processes are basically organizational habits, aren't they? Absolutely. So if you want to change it. So, um, and so if we want to change something, um, so, so, so your your point about it being mobile is what do we want in terms of the habit that envisaging? But there's also it's about looking at if you imagine just let's say um, well the not stakeholder not you know the uh, force field analysis and you're trying right. to think about a change. You've got all of those habits that are already in place that might have be supporting the old way. So we've also got to be alert to 
yes, create the new habits, which should be about as being collaborative and maybe a virtual hybrid working environment. So we maybe do team meetings where everyone's on Zoom and we have some right. deep, we have some social conversation at the start. We put things and you've got your ideas person and we create those habits. But we probably yeah. also have got to be alert to the other habits that are there. Again, this unconscious habits that are maybe there that may be pushing the old culture. Absolutely. Um, as, a, as well yeah. being alert to it. Yeah, that's a nice connection, the, the force field idea, which goes back to Kurt Lewin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, culture or organizations, societies often feel static because you have conflicting forces. You have forces driving forward and then forces holding change back. So, you know, often our experience is stasis. Okay, every, you know, things are just sitting in place. But the fact is that you know, in that model, and in our model you know, that we describe in the culture puzzle, the, the organizations are dynamic because you have always these forces moving. Like some, uh, there are some people who are pushing ahead, they're experimenting with new ways of working. Maybe they go work somewhere else and they come back with different work practices. Uh, so culture is never static. It's always moving in that, that sense. Like we just, we make a mistake and we, and we realize, oh, actually, this is a good mistake. Mm. I could do things better. Mm. Maybe I don't have to send this memo or maybe I need to send a shorter memo. So in all those ways, culture, uh, culture is always moving. And then, you know, just, uh, I keep going back to your observation. It's important not to, it's important to be intentional or as we put it in the book, you know, not be on automatic pilot from time to time. Sometimes it's good to be on automatic pilot because then you're just going about your work and getting things done. Uh, uh, but sometimes it's important to switch off and ask, okay, maybe we could do a little bit the things a little bit differently. And that's a question that leads to harnessing that the force of innovation. Yeah. And that, I, my brain's gone there as well. It is interesting though, all of these, I feel like all of these topics interconnect. So your observation earlier is actually innovation doesn't, all, you don't kind of sit in a room and go, right, think tank, let's innovate. Yeah. Often you get your ideas when you're out walking countryside or, you know, if I'm out, walking the dogs and I've got a podcast on and often I'll get ideas not that it may be triggered by the podcast but I'm thinking or if we were collaborating with somebody you know you could be chatting to someone and the ideas come out it's almost about how you are at the time as opposed to it's not yes. something force isn't it yeah we like to say and we have a whole chapter on innovation and in the in the culture puzzle what we say what we found is innovation comes out of the work so if you look at the research on innovation in organizations, it turns out that very few new ideas that stick come out of formal R&D processes. Most of the new ideas that, that work come out of the work itself in just the way that you're describing. Like software engineers come together, they have a discussion, they see a new design and they try it out. That's how, that's how innovation happens. Or you, you, know, you get up from your desk, you go for a walk, you walk the dog, and then you have an idea. It's just a so, connection happens. It's yeah. almost when you're not thinking the connections happen. And of course, the other thing where this links to is something like coaching or reflection and maybe giving people the opportunity to pose a question and just to stop and think, is there a better way? Is that the best way to do it? Or what's working about how we're doing things currently? What would we like to be different? And again, your point earlier about we shouldn't just carry on. It's when we're doing that, we're not stopping and thinking and going, is this the best way? which is yeah. really this is our opportunity right now is to stop and think and is this the best way for us 
and I think I think the best kind of coaching, and I and I know that that uh, you're an expert at this, is to create a space in which someone can become conscious of their thoughts and and feelings. And I and I think as a leader, as an HR leader, any kind of leader in an organization, one thing you want to be thinking about is how do I create those spaces in my organization where people can think and be conscious of what they're thinking and access that force of innovation, which is always happening. I think one of the interesting things we learned in the culture puzzle is that innovation is always working. We're wired to innovate. And you know, fundamentally, culture is a process of collective learning and adaptation. So yeah, is it symbols? Absolutely, it, it involves symbols. Is it the way we dress? Yeah, the way we speak, it's that. But fundamentally, it's about learning and adaptation. And we're and, wired to do yeah. that. And that's, and that's about recognizing culture. The symbols are there about how recognizing it is. And, and actually, in fairness, that does go back to what Edgar Stein said, is you don't change it from the outside in. They're the outside manifestation of the culture. Yeah. If we want to change it, it's about talking about it, thinking about it, allowing people to be creative. And it's about being aware of those habits that aren't helping it and changing some which is supportive of the way we want to be in terms of our, our vision. Yeah, absolutely. And engaging that process of, as we were describing earlier, of envisioning, listening, reflecting, and experimenting. I think that's the best way from our perspective in the culture puzzle, that's the best way to change the culture from the, the in, in, inside. Uh, not, you know, top down, it, you know, it's often said, culture comes from the top. And there's some truth in that. But the fact is that no one owns culture. Culture is everywhere. It's, it's on the move everywhere in your organization. So if you can engage people through this process, you're going to get a whole lot more out of them day to day. They're going to feel more empowered. They're going to be more creative. They're going to be more satisfied. They're going to feel connected. There are so many ways in, in which you're going to create a stronger, thriving culture. And command and control is not going to cut it. And you've got to trust <laughs> people to be adults to be able to get there. Tell me, I wrote, um, so it's about envisaging, listening, and I got experimenting. What was the? Engaging. Was, engaging. That's, yeah, you can't yeah. do that engaging. Absolutely. You can't do it. There's no quick fix. You can't go around and just tell people to do it. That isn't going to make culture change. That is completely different. It is about taking yeah. people with us. You know, in the in, on the book, we worked with a New Yorker cartoonist, Kendra Allenby, and and uh, she drew cartoons for the each of the chapters. Yeah, they're and nice. I the really them. Yeah, and one of the cartoons shows a a, a a a man who's clearly a boss, and he's uh, he's talking to a woman standing next to him, and he's looking at these workers at, in their cubicles, and he says, you know these people aren't happy. Why aren't they happy? They, they didn't get the memo I sent out this morning about being happy. <laughs> yeah, for, I know, exactly. It, it, it's um, a bit like Dilbert type thing, that, isn't it? Yeah. They're great. Uh, so I, I think that's really a really helpful and practical conversation that we've had so far in terms of this, Mario. I guess in terms of, um, we've talked about how people do it, how I can do it, envisaging, listening, engaging, experimenting. We've talked about your powers in there in terms of, our vision, interest, habits, and um, what was the other was about people, wasn't it? Innovation, uh, yeah. In mm -hmm. So, um, oh yes, interesting, innovation. So they those align, don't they? Um, yeah. Are there any final points that you think would be useful for our HR uprising audience to take out of this book? And obviously they can get your book. It's it's, it's Barrett Cola Publishers, isn't it? It's called The Culture Puzzle. So I assume it's available in 
Online. Everywhere. Yeah. Online, bookstores. Yeah. Everywhere. So I think the, the point that I would want to leave your listeners with is that uh, culture comes first. That, that's, a, that's a key point. And what we mean by that is, is culture is wired into our, wired into our bones. Uh, so we come together and we form a group. So human beings are social and that goes way back. We learn, we do better in groups than we do alone or in pairs. So we come together and immediately there's a culture. And the important point, the, the important practical point is you can't stand outside of culture. Often the assumption seems to be, oh, okay, we've got finance, we'll put that together. We've got operations, we've got sales, so on and so forth. And then all those pieces are in place. Then let's talk about the culture. Well, you can't step outside of culture. So the way you talk about fin uh, finance, the way you organize sales, that's cultural. Yeah. So culture comes first. Uh, and I think once you realize that, then you become a bit more conscious, a bit more intentional about culture and how it shapes everything that we do. So I think that's what I would leave your listeners with. Culture comes first. Yeah, and reflect on what the culture is that you're setting you're part of and, and and people who are trying to change their culture it is it, it can be challenging but um it, it, it's if we've there's some tools here talk to people about it it's coming it's almost bottom up actually in terms of the leaders may not be demonstrating a certain way but actually getting that groundswell of people by talking and engaging them absolutely wonderful mario if people would like to connect with you are you on things like linkedin or how would they get in touch if they wanted to follow more of your yeah, work yeah sure I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I have a website, uh, Musa at MusaConsulting.com and would love to yeah. love to hear from people, love to engage in a dialogue about culture. Well, we'll put all of your connections um, on our webpage for the for the episode. So thank, thank you, you. Thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure having this conversation. Yeah, and my really pleasure. fascinating. Take care. Thank you. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast. <laughs>